Morning, Riverside. How is everyone? Awesome. Guys, I don't want to go any further without praying, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, uh, thank you so much for bringing us here today, Lord. Uh, God, we're just blessed to be able to come together as a body uh, and worship you, Lord, um, and just, just talk about you um, and learn about you, God, and understand you more, even just a little bit, God, when we uh, leave these doors today. Uh, we can go forward in our day and know you uh, a little bit more, Lord. I just pray that uh, you speak through today's message um, and, and speak to the hearts and minds of all of us, God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, can we have fun today? Yeah? yeah? Is that cool? We can have fun today? Awesome. That makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> um, I made an e-card. I don't know if... Uh, is the e-card up there? There's my e-card. E-cards are like the cool thing now. It's my first e-card I've ever made. It'll probably be my last one. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of this uh, word, hangry. I just learned about it like two or three weeks ago. And uh, apparently it's like a real thing. Like people literally get hangry. Uh, It's a state of anger caused by lack of food resulting in a negative change in emotional state. And uh, (laughs) the translation as it relates today is feed me or I'm going back to Egypt. Uh, Israel is hangry today, and uh, we're going to learn about this hangriness, and uh, we're going to see ourselves in today's scripture. Uh, In my childhood, uh, my family, we moved five times in my first seven years uh, of my life, and I remember my childhood just filled with road trips. And I don't know about you guys, if any of you have big families, Lipsky's have a huge family, so they know about road trips. Road trips, man, they kind of bring out the worst in you, don't they? You know, there, there's no space. There's conflict over food. Like, where do we eat? What do we eat? And it's even harder. The Laytons know, you know, with all their kids. Um, you know, there's just conflict, you know, over all this stuff. And, you know, what comes to my mind when I was reading this scripture, what came to my mind was National Lampoon's Vacation. Clark Griswold, man. It's crazy. Like, they just go on this trip, and there's just all this conflict and, and all this pressure mounting up throughout the whole trip. And Israel, it's like National Lampoon's vacation, but they're going to the promised land. They're not going to Wally World, <laughs> right? And Moses, you're going to see, he's about to go Clark Griswold on these fools, okay? So, but let's talk about pressure for a second. I mentioned pressure there before. Like, what is it about pressure, you know, pressure, it changes the way we react and the way we think, right? When we're under pressure, how we react under pressure, really, it often reveals the true state of our hearts. Pressure brings that out of us, right? For Israel, the pressure is on today. They're hungry. They're really hungry. They're in the wilderness, and it's causing them to want to go back to Egypt, to go back to their old life. Now, God puts Israel in pressure situations in the wilderness to test their obedience. And he does the same thing for us today. The same thing for us today. Obedience is an expression of faith. Remember that. Obedience is an expression of faith. You have faith, you're going to obey. Right? So he puts us in the pressure situations in our lives, in our own wilderness, to test our obedience, to show us where our faith is. 
Now today, we're going to learn four things about a relationship with Jesus. Uh, we're going to be doing some time traveling through Scripture. So we're going to go like Doc Brown, Marty McFly up in this. We're going to get into DeLorean, and we're going to jump 40 years, and then we're going to jump 1,500 years to Jesus, and we're going to connect the dots. And ultimately, I want you guys to just have an awesome, amazing, uh, illustrative picture of Jesus today. Because that's what we're all about here at Riverside. It's all about Jesus. So folks, the first four verses we're going to read through, it's going to kind of set up everything, and then we're going to go through uh, the, the four points that we have today. Uh, if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 16 in your Bibles, we'll go through the first four verses. It'll be up there on the screen if you don't have Bibles, and we have Bibles here uh, at the entrances if you'd like one. So let's read the scripture. Verse 1, so they set out from Elam, the scripture says. So Elam is like this oasis at the edge of the wilderness. Okay, it's this oasis. So they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. Sin is not like Sin, Sin. Sin, it just happens to be a name of that area. The wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So... They're one and a half months since the Exodus. They've crossed the Red Sea through God's providence. God has been doing things for them. He's, right before this, God turned bitter, sweet, bitter water into sweet water. right? And he's led Israel to this oasis of rest and comfort in Elam. And now he's got them moving on again. He's got them moving on again. And Israel's in the heat of the wilderness. Guys, the pressure is on for Israel. And verse 2. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Israel grumbles. The King James Version uses this word, murmurs. You know, it's this idea of like uh, low-toned, low muted complaining to yourself. You guys know what I'm saying here? You know, you ever just kind of like the pressure's on and you're, you might be sitting there or you're walking around, and, and it's kind of like this. It's just like, man, I can't believe this is happening. This is ridiculous. You've got to be kidding me. God, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've done it before. So they're like, they're, it's like they're complaining to themselves, right, And here in verse 2. Now, in verse 3, they're taking their complaints to Aaron and Moses. Verse 3, And the people of Israel said to them, but that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So just a couple weeks ago when I learned about this word hangry, it's amazing how things just kind of come together when you're preparing for a sermon. Like you just come across these things. And I'm on Facebook and I'm just like going down my wall. And, you know, on Facebook, you get, like, these buzz feeds. It's, like, top 10 this or top 20 that. You know what I'm saying? And there's this buzz feed that it's really, it's things hangry people do. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I, I was like, i got to read this because I was just thinking about hangry for this sermon. <laughs> so here's a couple things that it said, things hangry people do, and that Israel is doing here. Like, it's amazing. So one of them was, your body knows its time and it speaks for you, right? So Israel, they've reached a point, they're hungry, their stomach's growling, 
you know, and their body's just kind of taking over, and it's like they're speaking, it's speaking for them, right? Here's another one. You decide you aren't going to make it much longer. <laughs> the Israelites here, they think they're going to die, right? Another one, you give into a panic-induced bad idea to meet your craving, <laughs> right? So Israel, they envision going back to Egypt. That's a bad idea. That's the worst idea ever, right? And here's another one on the BuzzFeed. You screamed at someone you love because you were hungry. Guys, Aaron and Moses, this is like their peoples. It's their peeps. Like, that's family. And, and they're going to Aaron and Moses, and they're complaining, and they're yelling at them. Israel is legitimately hangry. Folks, I wouldn't be using this for this sermon if it wasn't legit. We preach legit up here. Guys, they're in the school of the hard knocks and they don't like the meal plan. Right? They don't like this meal plan. I went to York College of Pennsylvania and the, the, the cafeteria there was awful. I complained. I'm not going to lie. The meal plan was terrible. So folks, there's... Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with, like, complain... Or not complain. There's nothing wrong with having a concern for our well-being. There's nothing wrong with that. But under this pressure they're in, it's how they complain that reveals the state of their hearts. Right? They, they twist and, uh, the past. They selectively remember the past to support their view. Do we do this ever? Sometimes we do this. Right? They, they blame others. They blame others. They blame Moses and Aaron. They have a defeatist mentality. Sometimes we have a defeatist mentality, right? They think they're going to die. But that, that's just not consistent with God's promises. God told them, I'm going to take you to the promised land. And when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. They have no reason to think they're going to die. He's going to provide for their needs. And, and they're losing sight of God's future for them. Their eyes were on Canaan, but their hearts were still in Egypt, right? Right? We see what God is doing in our lives sometimes and, and we have a vision of where he's taken us, but our hearts are often still at our old life before we were Christian, right? So they have no reason to think that God is not going to provide for their needs in the wilderness. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I love this, <laughs> Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. God's about to make it rain on these fools, okay? And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I, might that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So God just flat out, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. He just lays it all out for them, right? Can you imagine over a million hangry people going out to collect this manna? I mean, I wish I could go back there. I would put like a GoPro camera on a tent and just watch these people just sprint for this food. I mean, and I have this vision on my head. This is how I think. Like, I think in like slow motion. Like, it's just like they're running and it's like... Probably some elbows going. Like, and then grabbing and throwing in the basket. Right? I mean, this is crazy. Like, I thought the Easter egg hunt in April was too much for me. I remember, I was like, man, I can't handle this. I can't imagine this here 
in the wilderness. So God has a purpose in all of this. He's putting them in a pressure situation to test their obedience. He flat out says it. This is where our first point is. God tests. It's that simple. God tests. So what's the test? God has two tests that he commands them of. The first test is found in verses 16 through 20. So go to verses 16 through 20, and it'll be up here on the screen. So the scripture says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Gather it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered, some more, some less, but when they measured it with an omer, an omer is like a, it's like a measuring device, or a measuring scale. <clears throat> but when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. <laughs> and Moses was angry with them. Moses is going Clark Griswold on these guys. Guys, God commands Israel to gather a day's portion each day. This is for five days a week, right? And leave no leftovers for the next day. Okay? So God's like, put your Tupperware away. And don't save any leftovers. I'm going to give you fresh provision tomorrow. See, God wants them to gather enough food for that day only, so it puts them in a position to have to trust him again the next day, and again the next day, and again the next day. If Israel just hoards and stockpiles food for the next day, then they're, they're trusting in the provision and not the provider, right? So God's like, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about next year. You may not live to see tomorrow. Give me everything you've got today. Everything you've got today. Muster up all the faith, all of the obedience today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. Focus on today. Give me everything you've got today. But look what they do. God's teaching them daily dependence on him, and what do they do? In their hunger, Israel gets greedy, and they disobey God. They collect more for leftovers, and they leave it for the next day, and it breeds worms and stinks. So what's the second test? The second test is in verses 22 through 28. On the sixth day... They gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will, you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, 
but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. And on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather it, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? God commands them to gather extra food on the sixth day so they don't have to gather on the seventh day. Because the seventh day is the Sabbath day. It's a day of holy rest. And it's a day set apart to God. God's like, just just give me one day. Please, can you just give me one day? I created you. I don't ask much. Just give me one day. You have six other days to work and do your thing. Just give me one day. But we can't even do that sometimes. Israel, what do they do? They disobey God again by going out to gather on the Sabbath. Folks, this process is how God will feed Israel for the next 40 years. This ongoing process, week after week, for the next 40 years, this is how he's going to feed them. He's teaching them daily dependence on him. Forty years is a long time. Folks, every day he's testing us. He's testing us through our families. He's testing us through our marriages. He's testing us through our friendships. He's testing us through our jobs. These tests of obedience. The place where God's most testing me, I think, is my marriage. Right? God is teaching me daily dependence through servanthood. You know, things like cleaning dishes and walking dogs and feeding dogs and making the bed. I know these things sound really stupid and easy, but it's deeper than that. It's serving my wife. I cleaned the dishes this morning, by the way. I don't know if you noticed. It's serving my wife. And folks, I'll admit it, that doesn't come easy to me. It doesn't come easy to me. I don't know why. But I have to depend on God to, to give me the ability to do something like that. Just to serve my wife. As men, we're all called to serve our wives. And if we're not serving our wives, we're being disobedient and we're failing. Folks, I fail as much as I succeed. I do. And that's, that's our second point. Our second point, we fail. We fail. Forty years later, Israel is on the brink of the promised land, so we're going to jump 40 years here. We're getting in the DeLorean, okay? We're jumping to the brink of the promised land, and Moses reminds them of God's work in their lives in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 through 3. Moses says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he may humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger, and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. As Israel needs to be constantly reminded of what God has done in their lives. 
if we don't fail, we don't need to be reminded, right? If we're just always succeeded, we don't need to be reminded, but that's not how it is. We forget. Israel has a history of memory loss. You read through the Old Testament. They're always forgetting, and it's leading them astray. They're forgetting what God has done in the past for them. Why is it so hard for us to remember? You know, why is it one of those things like, oh, I only believe God, believe in God based on what He did last for me. And if He doesn't do something for me this time, then I don't believe in Him. I'm not going to give Him my obedience. That's kind of how it is for us a lot. Folks, my reactions under pressure, there's some faithful, but there's some not faithful at all. You know, I, I'm coupled in that. In that. And, in February of 2009, I was laid off from my dream job. Or in early 2011, when my wife and I moved up here, I moved up here first, and we had to find her a job. And for one month, we had one month to find her a job. And if we didn't find her a job, we wouldn't qualify for an apartment. And if we didn't qualify for an apartment, I don't know what would have happened. Probably live with my parents until she could find a job. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> my first sermon in April of 2013, my first sermon, I failed. I failed. Now we're expecting a child in November. You talk about pressure. There's a daughter, too. Talk about pressure, man. Talk to me in November. I am praying for the ability to do this. Guys, Israel failed both of those tests because they forgot. They forgot. But here's the catch. This is no surprise to God. It's not like he didn't know what their heart was. God knows our hearts, right? Because of sin, perfect obedience and total reliance and dependence on God is impossible. God knows this. So what God is really doing is He's revealing to Israel their own need for Him. And it's the same thing for us today. Just like Israel did, we forget. And we elevate the provision over the provider. We trust in the provision. And not in God. Not in God. So God isn't testing our obedience so He can learn about our faith. That's not what He's doing. He's testing our obedience to know where our, so we know where our faith is. So we recognize our need for Him. That's really what God is doing here. Because of sin, we have failed the test. I know some of us don't like hearing that, that we fail, but we do. We have failed the test. The standard of God is holy and perfect. Because of our incapability of being perfectly obedient and totally dependent on God, somebody had to do it for us. Somebody had to do it for us, which leads to our third point. Jesus succeeds. God tests, we fail, Jesus succeeds. An example of perfect obedience. Perfect Perfect, unblemished obedience, total dependence and reliance on God in the face of great need and under great pressure was Jesus' 40 days of temptation here in the Gospel of Matthew. 
Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, 40 days and 40 nights, think about that, he was hungry. (laughs) Sure, he's hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, I love this. He quotes Moses in Deuteronomy. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested. And with the pressure on, notice Jesus. He's hungry. That's okay. But he ain't hangry. (laughs) He's hungry, but he's not hangry. This is the same wilderness, right? Deeper hunger, 40 days, 40 nights. Perfect obedience. Perfect dependence on God. Jesus is calm, cool, and collected. Keep calm and carry on. We love that. Jesus is like, dude, I perfected that for you. I did it for you. Jesus succeeded everywhere we fail. He succeeded everywhere that we fail, which leads to our fourth point. We live. Because Jesus succeeded, we have an opportunity to live. God tests. We fail. Jesus succeeds. We live. You notice something in today's scripture? Despite their sin of complaining and their disobedience, God still provided. He still provided. You talk about grace and mercy. Guys, this grace and mercy that He showed Israel and providing them bread from heaven, despite their sin of complaining and disobedience, is the same grace and mercy that He shows us and sending us the true bread from heaven, Jesus, despite our sin and our complaining and our grumbling. We don't deserve a way. We don't deserve it. Israel didn't deserve a way. We don't deserve a way. But God gave us a way. He gave us a way to life. After Jesus fed the 5,000 people with five loaves of bread, five loaves of bread and 5,000 people, really? And two fish. i got to add that in. Jesus said this, starting at verse 35, and then we skip down to 47. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let me skip down to 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, I love when Jesus does that. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Forever. Folks, this isn't just about food. This isn't just about nourishing our physical need for food. It's more than that. This is about sanctification here. This is about salvation. 
Physical bread is not enough for us. It's not enough for us. We need a different kind of bread. We need a spiritual bread. We're hungry for sanctification. We're hungry for salvation. We're hungry for something more. That's not all life is. It's just working, going home, going back to work, and then coming home, and then working, and every now and then doing a project at at home. It's more than that. God has a purpose for our lives. He has sanctification in mind, and he has salvation. God, he wasn't just filling Israel's bread for 40 years. He wasn't just filling their bellies, excuse me, for 40 years. Folks, he was shepherding their hearts. He was preparing them for the promised land. Shepherding their hearts. He was paving a way for the coming of Christ. This is how God shepherds our hearts and how he grows us today. Ezra put it pretty well last week. He talked about progressive sanctification. God's grace, it, it, it doesn't just save us. It trains us also. It sanctifies us. It takes us through this progressive process of becoming holy and becoming like Christ. And he's preparing us for our promised land. He's preparing us for eternal salvation. God tests us, and though we succeed, we fail at times. But failing just once, just once, puts us in a position where we need a Savior. Just once. But Jesus, he passed the test for us. And not only did he pass the test for us, he paid the penalty for our failure also. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And each time we fail, each time we fail, we more and more recognize our need for Jesus. And the gospel gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in our lives. And the bigger the gospel gets, the more we need Christ and the more we trust Jesus. And the more we trust Jesus, the more we grow in Christ and mature in Christ. And the more we grow and mature in Christ, the more we live. The more we live. God tests. We fail. Jesus succeeds. We live. Christ is the link. If it weren't for Christ, we would not have life. We wouldn't have the life that he wants for us badly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you, uh, Lord, for just providing us with your word, God. Lord, quite frankly, I don't know what we would do without it. Um, God, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Jesus, you're the, the true and living bread, Lord. God, and I hope our hearts leave here grateful for what you've done uh, and just a little bit changed and a little bit transformed, Lord. God, I think many of us in here, we want to be sanctified. God, there's more to life than anything less than sanctification and the hope for eternal salvation, God. God, and I pray that you just uh, continue to work in our hearts Um, and sanctify us and bring us closer to you, Lord. 
and put your word on our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.